All right. Uh, I'm going to start off today by saying I am not in a great mental health place, honestly. And I need to get this out for first before we start doing the episode the right way. That's because, you know, I want this to be uh, a movie, a podcast that celebrates cinema and is also funny and shit. But uh, what I'm about to say is neither. Um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just like dealing with a lot at the moment. I think the mental, oh, nice yerba mate. I'm on my second case. Nice. Yeah, yeah I'm on uh, today. Yeah, I'm doing a uh, revel berry at the moment. Ah, those are my my two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, what I was saying was, um, yeah, I think like the mental toll of being at home for this long is like getting to me, and I think I need to, um, I need to say out loud that I need to get out, get out, because otherwise I'm not gonna really do it. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is kind of a therapeutic way of me to do that because, yeah, it's been a while and I think it's getting to me and I've had this plan to leave for a while and it's kind of getting to that time where I need to start, you know, putting that plan in motion, but I'm kind of delaying it, you know, because it's only on mm -hmm. me, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and I'm just still here and it doesn't really feel great um yeah it's time for me to move on so i i need to like talk about this in order for me to uh you know take an, the next step yeah pretty much nice. so do you think do you think you're moving in that direction like that you're well I, I need i would like to move in that direction after you know, going forward, I am currently not moving in that direction, considering I mm -hmm. started my day watching the terminal and, <laughs> and, you know, and like, you know, I just, I'm still in this like mindset of like, you know, you know, um, save money here and do things here. And, um, mm -hmm. I have all these things I'm working on and also that I want to work on. And, uh, I'm also, I'm just, I don't know. I'm also just trying to make the most of my time here, but it also all just feels like a distraction to getting away and yeah. when that's really what I should be doing. And I'm kind of just procrastinating, uh, something that I really should be doing. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, I, I don't want to, I, I'm going to bring this up because not to try and um, make it about me, but that what you're saying, what you're saying is super relatable because, yeah, you know, we're in different situations, but I definitely relate to sort of, I was telling Carly this just yesterday that uh, I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm not necessarily progressing forward that I'm just sort of staying the same and anytime I start to gain a little bit of momentum there's something that like um I don't know brings me back a little bit and what and what that's been recently is we've been traveling to go and see people for either weddings or to see family yeah, for stuff yeah. and that's what you you were doing uh 
the past yeah. month really right yeah yeah we've hardly been home and so there's all these things that i've been wanting to work at and i've been honestly wanting to move on to a new job for like three years i've been in this job for three years now and i've and it's it'll be three years next week yeah and i'm yeah. like oh my god when i was there for uh, a few months yeah. i was like wanting to move on and i'm still doing right. it so right right yeah i i, I feel like uh, yeah, I, I haven't, because it's all, you know, on me, there's, there's so much that I would love to be doing maybe just as a freelancer or just finding a new job altogether. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. finding like that way to like push yourself has been, has been difficult. And I've definitely yeah. gotten to like a comfort, comfort zone that I want to get out of. Yeah. I, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of that way at Benny's at the moment. Like I'm actually like, getting comfortable there and like mm -hmm. there's this one dude there who always asks if I want to work full time because he likes you know he likes you know he I because he sh I've shown that I'm uh competent <laughs> mm -hmm. you know and can do things and work hard and all this shit and that feels good but yeah like I I can't like be comfortable there you know I gotta yeah but I'm also you know I also like it you know I kind of like there are parts I like about my current situation, but it's all comf comfort, you know? And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I need to, and it, yeah, it is hard because as you said, it's all, it's all on me. Like moving away is all on me. It's not like my parents are like, when, you know, when are you moving? Cause you know, they yeah, don't really right. want, they don't really want me to move that much, you know, like inside mm -hmm. they, you know, cause they're going to miss me. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's very tough and I, and the road to moving is it just does feel so lonely and I've been like mm -hmm. looking at like places and cars is not fun at all because uh, I'm like because I'm like I can't like afford you know the right stuff and um you know it's just sometimes easier to just work on shit in my room of my parents' house, but it's like, I gotta get out, you know, I gotta get out of this, you know? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta do something about it. And it's like the time is, uh, the time is now really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to get that, like, yeah. Um, that just inner motivation when there's no, like, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot pushing you. You have to really push yourself. Well, yeah. Eventually, you just realize you're like, damn, I'm in such a like, I don't know, tortured, repetitive like. I, you'd realize how insane you are through your like, I don't know, the repetitiveness of your lifestyle that you're like, all right, I gotta get out of this, you know, make a change, do yeah, just do something, you know, because like before it was like, you know, COVID's like, you know, was a really good excuse for doing yeah, that yeah you know it was a really good excuse to stay home and uh take it easy but that that excuse really it doesn't exist anymore it's it, you know even though like you know the variants blah 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 like people our age aren't actually we don't give a fuck about covid really anymore you know we're like let's just do it you know <laughs> you know yeah as soon yeah. as the cdc says like no masks and states are like yeah. opening up then it's like okay nobody yeah yeah and, and i'm yeah. just like accepting that like this is just a thing that's around and you gotta do things around it and mm -hmm. 
you know, gotta, I gotta stick to my plan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I definitely, yeah. Glad you, glad you said something. Cause yeah, I definitely <sighs> relate a lot to that. And it's been a, a weird week. This has been like our first week back from traveling around and stuff. And yeah, just like trying to be motivated to get things done or, uh, you know, progress in the ways I want to. It's, it's tough when, uh, yeah, we have, we have to travel again in a couple weeks and then our lease is up here at the end of the month. Oh yeah. Are, are, are you guys places. moving? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. We're, we're, we've been looking at places like constantly the past couple weeks and we had like a perfect one, which we tried to get like last month and it went to someone else. So that's been, yeah, that's been definitely really. Yeah. Looking for places sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in, uh, in California. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A lot. So a lot of places in LA I look at like, like they don't have like fucking they have kitchens but they don't have stoves or microwaves a lot of them and i'm mm-hmm. like i'm like damn like you have a kitchen and you like say marble marble uh counters and all that shit or granite counters but it's it's just a sink like that's not a kitchen because <laughs> i have a sink and counters like and a microwave i'm and i'm just like do people eat in la like what the fuck yeah, they probably always eat at food trucks or something, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's just so ah, it's so defeating to see like a, when you're looking for a place for yourself what you can afford in the city of angels uh yeah. and 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 like so many places that are like lower than say like 1300 in rent. They're like shared homes and shit like mm-hmm. that, which I'm like not about at all. I want like a a place with privacy. I want right. my I want to come home and not be like, oh, there's this dude who I share a bathroom with, yeah. and these people I share a kitchen with who I don't like <laughs> at all because I share no, yeah. space with them. You know, like fuck that, man. Yeah, it's really interesting. We've noticed here, and I'm and I'm certain LA is the same way that there's a lot of like creative ways people oh, get yeah, away with live. like this yeah. is a like oh apparently this is a living situation you can have yeah yeah I yeah. would never see anywhere else besides yeah here yeah I saw this one thing where it's like you live you have the shared living community and there's all these like activities you can do there they're like there's like meditation groups and stuff like that <laughs> but it also it also said like it said like only positive people allowed. <laughs> we don't take any negative types. And I was like, there's no way I'd be able to pull that off. Like they would, oh, like, yeah. they would sniff it. Even if I like put on this whole BS act, they would sniff it out of me like any day, you know? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause uh, one of Carly's coworkers actually lives in a town nearby us. And it's like, he lives in this community and it has a security gate and it's like all managed and owned by this one lady. And they have like, they have a meditation and yoga, and yeah. yoga area that's only uh, for the residents and all these like 
they're in all these little like shabby cabins that were just sort of right. like, th- thrown together in the mountains. Well, and, and I and I think what intrigued me about it is like it's a little cheaper too. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know about hers, mm-hmm. but the one I was looking at was a little cheaper. So there's like that, um, yeah, positive thing about it. Yeah, and they say like, uh, w- you know, people open to an alternative lifestyle. Yeah, or something like yeah, that. it's very culty and spiritually yeah. spiritual and, uh, yeah, not not <laughs> not something I could keep up every day. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's so. It's so weird out here. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a late 20s crisis, obviously, with the way I opened this up, but I'm not in one enough to do that shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to, like, I still want to do live, like, to a degree the way I live. I, you know, I want to fucking, yeah. you know, be lazy, and I want to... I want to smoke weed and I want to watch the terminal and at 10 a.m. and uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah. pick what sacrifices you want to make. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just needed to uh, in order in order for our episode to go smoothly the rest of the way, I needed to get that out there and make an attempt of vulnerability at the beginning of the episode because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm having, I'm actually having a kind of a tough day, and it felt very weird to be deep in thought about all this serious stuff, and also be watching the terminal. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh if you know what God. I mean, it yeah. was real, like, with, like, like that, like those two things together, and all of a sudden, some stupid scene from the terminal would be happening. You know, like Catherine Zeta Jones would be like, "You've been living in a." terminal 67 <laughs> and I'm like, don't you have she... to catch a flight yeah yeah is yeah. she a fucking idiot like man i wrote so I, I actually like took some notes for this podcast because oh wow uh like i yeah, like i have things written down uh just of what i want to say and mm-hmm. like under the terminal i wrote what the fuck is Catherine zeta jones's deal because <laughs> she it, like everything she says is like what the hell like like, how does she just find out some of the stuff about Tom Hanks? Uh, yeah, especially when he's like a legend already to all the workers at the airport, pretty much. Yeah, and like there's, a scene, there's a scene after he has this incredibly vulnerable, vulnerable moment about like his dad and they kiss and there's that great lighting and stuff. And then she just runs to the man, that man again, that yeah. who's uh, married. And um, they head down the escalator together. And, and Tom Hanks just looks so sad. It was such a sad scene. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. so sad. There's so many sad things in this movie that would be actually, that I would feel a lot more if it wasn't so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah totally yeah it's it's weird it's funny they, it's do, they do him so much like fuck yeah. man it's just so brutal you know there's parts of it that uh i know i noticed that you saw mon uncle so um, i know <laughs> yeah, you'll, I you'll understand there's parts of this movie that i felt like it was super tragic and then also kind of like a jacques tati film where tom hanks is like trying to pull off this like physical comedy of this you know silent guy in uh in a world that he just doesn't yeah, understand there, there is a lot of silent comedy of um him 
walking into the female restroom accident like just yeah him him just messing up in this airport because like in the wrong place in the wrong time always because he shouldn't be in the airport (laughs) (laughs) oh man i I really half-assed uh watching this this morning yeah i yeah i I was trying to get some work done and i had it on and i just oh man yeah it's uh I don't know. I liked it a, a lot less than I than I thought I would because the last time I'd seen this was when it was in the theaters, you know, in two thousand four or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just so odd, and it felt like such a slog, and that it was like never really getting anywhere for me and then to find out that like the big reason he wants to go to new york is just to get an autograph of some jazz musician and then he's gonna go home (laughs) just i just i don't know the the whole like the whole father story trying to get the autograph it didn't really uh it didn't really strike me as that important and maybe that sounds terrible but uh right yeah i thought i think we should end with uh this movie i think we should stop okay. now and end end with it, I'm fine ah, with that. Yeah. Yeah. actually at the same time after saying it i'm like should we really end with it <laughs> you know i'm fine getting it out of the way or saving it yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm at least glad um, that we finally saw it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So that that's could, one of the reasons yeah. why i watched it this morning is because i didn't want to feel the defeat again of not watch having watched it and being like god dude just like are you that pathetic that you still haven't watched the terminal you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i mean do you want to do you want to come back to this we can well, yeah let's let, let's come back to it. let's see maybe because yeah. i don't have a lot to say about it right now but maybe if i we talk about everything else and then end with that i'll have yeah a lot to say or maybe i won't <laughs> Maybe I'll have more to say once I finish this year, Mate. You know, who knows? Either way, it's it's the terminal, so it's not a big fucking deal. Yeah, um, we put it yeah. off for this long. We can put it off even longer. <laughs> uh, do you have anything to report about your trips? Uh, not really. All right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm. I feel like I've spent as much time in airport terminals as Victor Navorsky in the past month I, so. I was gonna i was gonna say yeah you have to have some relation to that yeah i don't know i just feel like exhausted and uh yeah i don't know that that ties into another movie that we both watched uh yesterday oh okay actually but uh yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah I, that's pretty much it just tired <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm tired all the time now and yeah. uh I went to, I went one place. I didn't travel as much as you. Um, and I think you went to more places. So what were the places you went to again? So at first I went to Iowa for my, one of my roommates okay. in college, his wedding. And then from there went to Illinois. I was in Moline okay. for a little bit and then went to Fort Worth, Texas for another wedding that I was in. And then from there I was, I came home here for a week or not even a week and then went to missouri to the ozarks branson to see my grandparents aunts uncles cousins that's a lot parents because where i visited was 
Midland, Michigan, which is a place, one of the most random, like that's a random place. Never to even visit. heard of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's the same movie wise. I think it's the same Midland, Michigan in the movie Cheaper, Cheaper by the Dozen with Steve Martin. Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe. location what a deep yeah what a deep yeah deep cut you gotta be yeah you gotta be a certain type of person to uh be like oh nice <laughs> you yeah. know did you check out the house a... that they lived in yeah. right right, right. <laughs> and i'm just assuming it is because i'm pretty sure like my brother and i went and we said oh there's like a a michigan license plate i think i'm pretty sure they have like a michigan license plate and it's a small town and they live on a farm so this <laughs> must be the midland michigan you know um yeah, as, as uh, Steve Martin's kid says at the beginning, my whole life is in Midland, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I've, I, I went rewatch. mainly to, yeah, I know. I've seen, I, that's probably one I've seen a lot more than you. Because um, yeah, I've seen it a ton. Um, but I, I went there to visit my cousin. And it was just like, it was fun because I got to see him. But it, it's like, when I was there, I was like, wow, what? what a weird place to visit, you know, because mm -hmm. it's very small town, like nothing, you know, there's, it's very, it's all controlled by this one company uh, called um, like Dow, which my cousin actually works for. And so the only reason why there's anything there is because of this company like called Dow chemical. And this, start, so like, this is starting to sound an awful lot like Springfield. Uh, yeah, you know, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like Dow is like we were joking when we were there that like Dow is like the Mr. Burns of the town. <laughs> so when you, you go down this like like my cousin was like giving us a tour of it and he was like, oh, yes, yeah, so this one road we has all this stuff on it now for us to do because it's because of Dow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we went to this sushi restaurant. And it's under this very new, new looking building, you know, and the building on it says like Dow. And then when we were driving on the other side of the town, we see all this just factory shit. And like there's this there's this forest preserve that we went to. And it's I, I think it's like named after Dow. So yeah, it was re I really did not <laughs> like that part of, part wow. of it. But also, I don't know if I'll I met my cousin, my, my cousin also like he lives there because he works for Dow <laughs> and like, that's the job he got right after college. So yeah. And, and like, if anyone who's listening uh, saw that like post I did on the Cinnabums page, Instagram account with like those criterions hanging on the wall, that is like my cousin, Brendan, uh, cousin Brendan's like criterion, like, like collection he like made oh, that, nice. which i thought yeah he like hung them up on the wall in like a cool layout and uh, yeah it was cool yeah and it's a good shout out because i know he like listens to the podcast so uh much appreciate brendan yeah. <laughs> shout out yeah, brendan yeah when he pulled up we his should Spotify, all aspire to have that criterion yeah, wall like right him, fucking yeah. cool it said it yeah. took him like hours um to do i believe <laughs> like, it because <laughs> he had to do it perfectly so they don't fall over you know yeah and i remember we took one off to like watch dazed and confused or something like that and i was just worried of like everything falling <laughs> off the wall um yeah but yeah pretty pretty fucking cool and 
when you pull up this guy's Spotify account, the Cinnabums is shows as like recently listened. And I'm like, how about that? You know? Hey, all right. Yeah. Uh, I also told him that if we ever do an episode on a couple of movies uh, that I know he's really into, uh, we could have him on as a guest. Yeah, um, for sure. He's really into the movie accepted. We were watching it one night and, and <laughs> he was laughing his ass off. So if we ever do one on that, I would, uh, I would like to have him on as a guest. I'd be down. I, I was a big fan of accepted. Oh, cool. In, uh, that, yeah. in my younger days. Yeah. I actually have a lot to say about accepted. So that'd be, might be a good re and it's a good, uh, summer movie. Uh, I feel like because, um, you know, there's like, it's girls in bikinis always there's a pool there's a half pipe they're always outside it's like they're always enjoying summer in that movie i'm sure the music was really like of its time you know like that. summer soundtrack you know holiday yeah. by green day yeah exactly green day blink 182 all that yeah, yeah. yep blink 182 isn't his name like bartleby or something like bartleby games yeah and there is like <laughs> It does, there's a lot of things that don't age well about the movie, but there's also a lot of just brilliant things. And I, I, w I think it's like very underrated in a lot of ways. I, yeah, I loved that. Uh, I loved that movie back in the day. Yeah, like Young I think Jonah if you're like, Hill. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if you're a suburbanite too, oh, and you, you've tried gone through all the bullshit to go to college that like it really is will hold a soft spot for you yeah definitely nice um yeah uh shit man also oh also oh. random but i saw that vincent van gogh exhibit uh in chicago oh. and oh there's a point in that where the barry linden like that song from barry linden plays uh, during one of the there's a like music is very ori oriented into it mm -hmm. and that the theme of Barry Lyndon kind of plays in it at one point and it's very fucking epic I must say wow nice that's uh I I think you posted some of that on Instagram yeah right? I mean it, it, it's yeah, really, really cool. cool it's it's pretty it met all the hype like like I think it's one of the paintings where it's like like the hay bales you know mm -hmm. yep the hay bale painting and then it just starts playing that that like duh, 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 duh. and i was yes, like oh yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> just thought i bring yeah. that up because i know you like that score too oh yeah yeah that's is that at the art institute no it's um no i thought it was gonna be but it wasn't <laughs> it's like Somewhere a separate else. Somewhere else. Uh, it's kind of by the <laughs> Chicago History Museum, a little south of that, like a couple blocks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's pretty pretty damn awesome. So did the, the did the sound only play out of half of the room? Or like the left side of the speakers, you know? Oh, because he has uh, one one ear. Very yeah. funny, John. Yeah. Making, fun <laughs> of the, making fun of the dead, man. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, don't mean to speak ill of the dead. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you're like, you should tell, you should write a review of that. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it was very realistic. Yeah, really. I mean, if this were Van Gogh's actual exhibit, 
he wouldn't be able to hear out the right side of the room. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's like, why is the sound all just drifting yeah. from that wall? It, yeah, they should, they wanted to make it an immersive experience so you know what it's like to be Van Gogh and only hear out of one ear. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right, before, we, save, before we get into I'll movies, yeah, yeah, save that bid for uh, <laughs> for later. I, um, before we get into movies, John, I also have been watching uh, The Office. <laughs> <laughs> well, I almost choked. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I'd bring that uh, up because uh, I ha- I've had a great time doing it over the past month. Um, I think like I just like got into my brother and sister were watching like late season two. Mm. And I just got hooked into it. And um, we kind of started like becoming really close friends because of that show. And Mm -hmm. like, I think we stopped, we we were not, we don't watch as much because, you know, we have watched it a lot, you know, but there was like a big gap where I wasn't watching it for a while. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And which is like, which is kind of a good thing because I, now I'm like rewatching it as an adult. So I relate to all these like adult problems and it is like, it is still just so good. Yeah. It um, is. And I just had such a good time. Uh, like I, I watched like mid season two through season four and that's um, like peak for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's peak. Um, and like I've had a lot of moments where I've been, you know, kind of not bashing the show, but I've been like, oh, it's so mainstream now. Now everyone likes it, you know, and <laughs> and I'm like, so, yeah. And, and I don't hold I haven't held it as high esteemed as other shows that I really like because of that. But it really is like a just like a genius show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. And I, I've, there's so many brilliant episodes that I can bring up. And uh, I just love watching Michael have an existential crisis in every single episode. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I didn't really realize as in high school that that was really what was happening. And yeah. Yeah. that is one of the brilliant things of how fun, what is so funny about it is that it just keeps going this guy just keeps going and every episode something else happens where he has another crisis and he shuts down the work day and he's like, Ed truck died and no one cared. And then he's like, I hit Meredith with my car. Maybe this office is cursed. And then he's like, maybe we need to have a fun run for rabies and then it, 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 you know, it always just becomes about him. You know, it always yeah, starts mm-hmm. in some. We, it's like the Simpsons in a way, where it starts somewhere and it goes somewhere you wouldn't guess. Yeah, um, but yeah. it also like, but it also kind of makes sense because it's really revolves around how insane um, Michael S- Scott is, just being in his forties and having this um, midlife crisis constantly uh yeah i uh 
I have I still watch The Office every now and then. I you know I, my parents got YouTube TV, so we've been using that a little bit. And if there's reruns on, a lot of times I'll watch it as like comfort food still. And the weird thing is, is I, the older I get, the more I find Michael relatable in a in a weird way. Is where I I like, and you know I I'm more like empathetic to him than when yeah. like we watched yeah. in high school I, I think like oh my god like i used to think of oh, this guy's just like crazy like he's insane and now i like i'm really like listening to the things that he that it, the character says and i'm like i totally see how this guy got to this yeah. point in his life yeah he had nobody along the way to sort of bring him any self-awareness or to um yeah to yeah, sort of yeah. like turn him around and yeah yeah Yeah, and and like fascinating the the whole michael and jan relationship how just insane it is from the beginning and on and toxic and then how it builds up into the dinner party episode is um is just i i get it now so much more and and just how real and funny it is you know like yeah because yeah, from the beginning where they like sign that agreement and Jan clearly doesn't feel good about it, and Michael's like, "I love this woman," you know, she like <laughs> shouts in front of David Wallace's house, like, "I love this woman," and you're like, "Oh God," and and then that like like she's clearly unstable, and how wrong it is at the end of season three that they move in together, and you're just wondering what could be going on there. And eventually in the dinner party episode, you see what is going on there. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's so, it's so hilarious and, um, and brilliant how that dinner party episode unfolds. Um, and those two actors in it uh, go to a different place in that, in that episode yeah. uh, completely. Like yeah. I remember yeah. I actually watched it a couple months ago and I was laughing so hard when uh yeah. when they're sitting around the like the living room and Jan um is like, Oh, I guess I'm the devil and like the there's like the <laughs> yeah. fireplace behind her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. She is, she is the yeah, devil. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that is a good point. The fireplace yeah. is right behind her. Yeah. And, and it's just like they're like they're like laughing because of how ridiculous this is and yeah Um, yeah insulting each other yeah that's great yeah i it's hard to pick uh what is the most uncomfortable moment of the dinner party but that the devil's part the devil part (laughs) is definitely one of them uh yeah like when jan danced is also the hunter's song is also one of the more uncomfortable parts yeah um And how they're kind of like, they're just passive aggressively insulting each other the entire time. It mm-hmm. like, you know, throwing shade because now they kind of have an audience. And um, yeah, oh man. When he, Michael's like, did you know candles are the fastest growing product? <laughs> <laughs> like just all of a sudden, like how quickly he just dives into that. And it's like right, it's like right after like the devil, the devil scene. He's yeah. like, for you, you could be an investor in Serenity by Jan or Candles by Jan or whatever the hell it's called. 
Yeah. Yeah, I actually remember reading something that was just sort of talking about how Jim really is the main character in the office because we pretty much observe he's like the one that breaks the fourth wall the most in a way, you know. Yeah. And him, he's him like, or Pam for sure. Him and Pam pretty much. And it's like those scenes we are essentially, you know, feeling like Jim in these scenarios. We're never we're never, you know, on Michael's side of it because we're always observing how weird and odd all these things are. And yeah, so yeah. just yeah, observing Jim throughout all these is exactly how any normal person would react in these scenarios. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like I'm a it's like I'm a he at least he's an artist. Oh, I'm a screenwriter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He believes he's like a screenwriter, a comedian, a filmmaker. He yeah. he considers in the Goodbye Toby episode, he says that he's a song. Everyone knows what a songwriter I am. And it's Pam's like song parody writer. <laughs> <laughs> like oh man he has so much uh heart to that character you know and Mm -hmm. um it's just an incredible character like really um yeah just a guy in his 40s who um is still in this dreamland when he works just in this like the grayest office possible and is just looking for attention from just seeking attention every single episode uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen this too, but uh, when Ricky Gervais was on Comedians in Cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, he was saying that the David Brent, Michael Scott character only works if you have like the camera crew aspect there. Because then yeah, you see. Yeah, because now he is an audience. Yeah. Yeah. He feels like right. now he's he's performing. Yeah. He, this That's is who what he brought is. him out as such a weird, yeah. Yeah. So if you take that element out of it, then he's just this, you know, he what's his motivation exactly to be, you know, to be performing all the time uh, yeah. you know, for all these people. Right. So yeah, right. I thought that was really interesting because I never really thought about it in that way. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's still so good. Yeah. Yeah, and and Rain Wilson, man, it has so much, so many brilliant um, moments. He's just so funny. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this in the scene in the episode where they hire a stripper. Um, Rain Wilson goes like uh, redhead or brunette, and he's kind of asking. It's kind of asking Jim to choose between Pam or Karen in this mm-hmm. scene, and. Uh, Jim goes blonde uh, because he's deflecting mm-hmm. and Rain Wilson Rain Wilson says do you have any blonde women <laughs> and it just just the way he says it it's one of the, I it's one of the funniest things ever just do you have any blonde women <laughs> and then when the stripper gets there he just treats her like shit like Michael texts her, like, is she hot? And uh, and Dwight just says, say uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, and, yeah, he the, says something like she's like, okay, in a way or whatever. She's saying, like, oh, 
Yeah, I don't, I can't remember what it is, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but he treats her like shit, and then when when they decide for her not to strip, he like has her like do files or phones. He's like, "We're gonna get that money out of you," <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of great memories uh, watching that in your in your basement in Glen Ellen. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just happy I rediscovered it in the, at this time because i think mm-hmm. it'll be a show that will be i don't know help me get through life going forward a lot because it really isn't just hilarious but it's all it's like comedy really based in like human real human moments you know that they, like dramatically it's uh very good too and it definitely got way way bigger after we were in high school and it and the show ended Thanks to Netflix. So yeah, I, I definitely get like I, I took a little bit of a break from it too once I yeah started hearing all these people who are all of a sudden into the office and uh, yeah it, it was like wait that was you know it's weird to think like that was like my thing you know that was like me Luke yeah exactly like Seth like that was like our thing you know and then exactly yeah it's so it's hard to uh, hard to like understand that it's not you know that this is like a huge huge deal right um, yeah i will say there's one thing that did that has bothered me about people who i know who have watched the office after it was already like aired who they talk about how they they hate michael's character and like they their favorites are jim and and white and it's like yeah okay like they're obviously great but how can michael not be like michael is the show, the show. Mm-hmm. and it's just like oh he's so stupid and like weird and awkward and well, yeah, like, he, yeah. Like, he makes us very un yeah like because he makes you so uncomfortable yeah and it's like that's the that's the whole heat the whole show is revolved around around him he makes it work so yeah i, mm-hmm. I there, there are times where i get like a little hipstery and i'm like you're not you yeah. don't like the office for the reason i you fully should like i the fully office. understand the office i i <laughs> yes. watch it the way it's supposed to be watched <laughs> yes it's like the whole, uh, you know, people don't like um, Breaking Bad or The Sopranos just because the main character is not the main necessarily a great are unlikable. guy. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Yeah, that's the point. Anyway, yeah, I or they watch The Sopranos or The Office because are The Sopranos or Breaking Bad because they think like, wow, Tony's a a badass or Walt's a badass. It's like, oh no, not not that. That's either. even worse. Yeah, <laughs> they're bad. They're very bad guys but the Mm -hmm. point is the you know the two sides of it the complexity yeah exactly yeah oh yeah yeah because mike there's a scene where michael go after the dinner party pam sets him up with her landlord and (laughs) michael is so shitty to her landlord and after when it ends he says it was like talking to the the sweet old lady on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole scene is meant to be like, wow, Michael's a really shitty, immature man. Yeah. And he even he gets the description of the woman he's meeting, but goes up to the you know, the attractive yeah, yeah, young, yeah, 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 young yeah. person he, who doesn't look anything like yeah. the description. And yeah. he's very superficial, he's very shitty. And he almost, I think he like pays for it when it takes him to get so long to get together with Holly. 
you know like i think that's like just in a way a karma thing you know like he has to learn to appreciate what's like he really deserves you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it really is all about him sort of (laughs) figuring figuring life out uh, at the end of the day yeah Oh yeah. Yeah. We could definitely talk about the office for, yeah, I was going to suggest us like doing, I don't know, a best episode series because there's so many that I could really dive deep into uh, Mm -hmm. a lot, but you know, I just thought I'd bring it up for the sake of uh, this episode. Yeah, no, I, I'm never going to say no to talking about the office. Yeah. yeah. Well, Let's get into some films, John. Let's yeah, let's let's transition into motion pictures. <laughs> How about uh the documentary Saturday Night by the currently oh, yeah. canceled the currently canceled uh James, <laughs> James Franco. Yes, Seth Rogen no longer doing movies with James Franco. Seems like yep. he's yeah. probably one of the last guys who would have stuck up for him, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get that much into that, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> I did mention one time, like, where I, I probably said something that I shouldn't have, where, like, say, I, like, say if we had a – imagine this, John. If we had as big of a following as other podcasts and I had said this, I would have probably canceled myself. I said one time, I'm pretty sure in an episode, James Franco is a creep, <laughs> but he's my creep. That's what I, <laughs> I so part. I was partly trying to be funny, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I kind of meant it because I do still watch a lot of like, just, I grew up watching his stuff. So, you know, I still watch, you know, stuff he's in. You know, even Mm -hmm. though all this stuff, you know, like, yeah. And we watched this documentary and I, and I like this documentary actually a lot. I I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. Uh, We're both big fans of SNL and this cast was like our cast, you know? Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's an, there's like a moment where James talks to like Lauren, Lauren, I think I said it. It sounds weird saying it right now. Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird, what a weird name. Uh, And Lauren says that everybody's cast from when they were in high school is their cast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Hader, Armisen, Sandberg, um, who's some of the women? I don't want to leave out women in this. Uh, There's Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. Bayer. Vanessa Bayer. Um, um, I think Vanessa Bayer is was, massively was she like, underrated. Oh yeah, um, I, I think she's great too. Uh, in the the pizza rolls uh, sketch, I fucking love her. Yeah. My hungry guys. She's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah, she's um, hilarious. Yeah. Um, Maya Rudolph. Yeah. She's up there. Uh, oh my god. I mean, Keenan. Keenan too and he's he's yeah. still there he's been he's, been he's there still forever. there but yeah he's um but yeah it, it, i think that theory of lauren rings very true yeah. whatever cast was your high school cast is who your cast is and yeah. yeah yeah so we're definitely into these guys and 
so this documentary was not only great to just see their process, but uh, just the fact that it was these guys working, you know, in their most intimate fashion uh, was awesome for me. I loved yeah. watching uh, Mulaney and Hader uh, as young dudes write, writing together and um yeah there's just so many like yeah. they're just all so funny <laughs> so i know yeah um i mean did it make you want to like work there and like yeah work with these people yeah that's that's all like we were thinking the whole time is that it looked like a really exciting like stressful but exciting environment to be yeah. around and yeah I've always been interested in just the process that they go through and yeah, putting together a show in one week like that. And uh, it also says yeah, a lot about yeah. the creative process and how what their process is, is just doing as much as they can in the time they have and then mm -hmm. cutting it. Yeah. You know, pretty much yeah. uh, as, as we saw, a lot of great sketches get cut. Um, yeah. Such as that hilarious sketch uh, by, uh, uh, fuck, what? I'm bad with name. McGrew. The one I remember is Will Forte. Will Forte's. Um, I can't remember it, what the sketch um, was, but yeah, it was cut. It's carpet um, commercial from, from yeah, yeah. like Empire. Yeah. Empire, which everyone our age grew up with, and he. It, it's so great it's such a funny sketch like the room but it's also really weird you know it's also yeah. really weird you could tell maybe i don't know something that maybe lauren michaels and from a producer standpoint they thought it was too odd to be on tv mm -hmm. but you know in the room bill Hader and like was like dying from it because it's that hilarious so funny yeah. it's hilarious because how how will forte commits to it and he's like again yeah <laughs> again like how it's, it just it's such a it's such a will forte sketch and yes. yeah it's like only yeah. him could pull it off and yeah just like it was i remember in the like the pitch meeting or whatever it's pretty quiet like not many people are laughing very much and then as he just keeps going yeah non-stop then yeah bill Hader's just losing it it's yeah it's it's so funny the how you know well, just at like, first I, I was like what is this you know and then i, I get uh, yeah me too no eventually yeah. eventually you get it though yeah. as I'm like, okay, this is like a family guy thing where he keeps reading it or something like that. It's about the repetition, but then it becomes this really like fucked up thing of like Forte, like torturing Malkovich as he keeps <laughs> saying it. And just the fact that it, it is like this legendary actor, like breaking down as Forte becomes this like uh, insane, like he's playing like an insane, uh, I don't know, like, corporate audition uh audition manager or whatever casting mm -hmm. manager it's just oh, i think it's a brilliant sketch that got cut yeah yeah and uh, um i thought it was interesting too to see like i think bobby moynihan it was like his first season yeah um, during that and just to see like um like he was on snl for a long time and seemed like such a natural but then to see him as like a newcomer clearly like nervous and uh and a little uncomfortable yeah. like trying to fit into this 
group right. that was really interesting. And then um, him being a part of one of my favorite Bill Hader uh, sketches on SNL is the Vinny Videci. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, I loved being able to um, see that, that process. Yeah. Uh, well, who's that one cast member who she said she's like intimidated when like they were doing that table read of the Vinny Videce sketch. Oh yeah. There's just this one female cast member where it just kind of shows how competitive the SNL kind of process is because there are so many comedians in the room. Yeah. Um, I, I think it might've been Casey Wilson. Possibly. Yeah. And then yeah. she, she kind of bombs like an impression in the room and yeah. it's like very embarrassing because it's clearly everyone's like, what is she doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at, you know, I'll actually, I'm ashamed to say that the Vinny Vedece sketch was um, foreign to me until I saw this documentary. Oh. Um, and when I did and they started like, you know, reading it in the room I was like, what is that? And like, it, it, oh my God, it's so great. And then I went on the rabbit hole of watching all of them on YouTube. And (laughs) it's so great. It's a great one. Everyone. Yeah. yeah, I think De Niro's on there. Yeah. And um, it's just one of those where the repetition of them doing it over and over again, it just (laughs) gets funnier and funnier. It's like, he said that you speak Italian. <laughs> and they're like, no. And Fred Armisen's always there with the spaghetti. Um, yeah. And they're just yelling at each other. He's like, Italian, Italian. All Fred Armisen does in it is just like, he's on the side with like um, a headset. Just going like, Italiano, he's the Italiano. <laughs> and that's it. And that's all he does. But he is so essential to the sketch and so oh, yeah. great mm-hmm. in it. And Will Forte is there just just eating spaghetti. Right. Not, and, no um, speaking lines. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bobby Moynihan comes. He's like, oh, oh. <laughs> and he, he's like drinking wine and smoking a cigarette. It's like, <laughs> oh. It's so funny. Yeah. And it, it just, Bill Hader's like, he's doing, he's just this over the top Italian character. And then he's yeah. doing a perfect John Malkovich impression. <laughs> Yeah, in the middle he, of that is so funny. There's all these jokes about him being like this crazy womanizer too. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have sex with that. I don't know, something like that. Like, yeah, just it's... like some uncomfortable moments of him having sex with all these, like every woman, woman or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what something in the end what makes Bobby Moynihan cry when he's like sitting in his lap. I can't remember, but. Um... Something along those lines, yeah. And uh, to make him stop crying, yeah, they light a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... You sound exactly like this. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is you exactly talk. what you sound like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I man. don't. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's really good. So good. And yeah, I think I thought Franco uh did as good of a job as he could have with that documentary not yeah. with all the other things he's done <laughs> in the yeah, past no, he, he definitely years. could have done better in other things yeah but uh, <laughs> yeah but this documentary alone i think is pretty solid yeah yeah i i had no idea about it until it was just a recommended video 
on YouTube for me and just watched it and then never stopped it. Um, but yeah, I, I was always interested in like, I never knew that that was exactly something that I would love to see is just the process of a week at SNL of what they, yeah. What they do to put that together. Yeah. 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 And at the end, Malkovich, he kind of goes like, thank you for everyone. This is like the best job in show business. And it just, yeah. it ends so perfectly and makes you miss the old SNL because um, yeah. I don't think it's as great anymore, which is too bad, but it's, you know, yeah. it still is as I, it's still very iconic and gets, it still is a big show business job, even though, you know, maybe my, I personally am not as into the comedians as I am into the previous casts, you know? Yeah, right. And that's where maybe I think, like, maybe the high schoolers, like, right now are really into it. Um, or maybe they're not. I don't know. I don't know what, kid, what kids are into these days. <laughs> maybe I mean, they into, like, hear more about their TikTok Sketch stars. comedy. Yeah, sketch comedy now is, like, so if people go in like, this is how people order at Chipotle, da, 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 and then cut. Da, 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 da. I am a TikToker, funny comedian. It's yeah, yeah. It's kind of, kind of. I don't like it. SNL represents, I guess, an older institution that um, sophisticated comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, quite. Yeah, yeah. We it's, we come uh, from I, a different school of comedy. Yeah, <laughs> where it's written out and performed, and you know, not a, always a meme. Yeah, yeah. But also, memes are pretty funny, and I've yeah. seen some tip. I've seen some TikToks that are uh, pretty funny, and they're pretty good for like immediate pop pop culture shit. You know. Yeah, and even you know, in the Vine days, there was a lot of about Vine that was insufferable, but there were some funny things that came about from it too. So yeah but uh i don't know like any internet thing it gets it gets out of hand at some point yeah but yeah uh yeah that's Saturday well night. that was one we've been wanting to do for a while so gotta get that out there yeah uh do you got one after do you got one to bring up next yeah i can bring up another sure hope one. you do because <laughs> sure because it's a movie bender so we should have yeah. more oh yeah i mean we we haven't done this in so long that I definitely have plenty. Yeah, I actually have a big, uh, kind of a big list. Yeah. You know, I, I might, you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with this. I was going to say, I'm going to knock out like three, three altogether right now. All right. They all relate. <laughs> so I, I may, I may do that. Um, but yeah, so I, I got the criterion channel again. Because I saw that uh, um, poster for the neo noir collection that was going to be added, and I was like, "That I need to see that." So um, I, I went, I went real hard in July at uh, knocking out the Criterion neo noir collection, and first one out of that I watched was the Long Goodbye, um, which I know you've which seen. Which I've seen, the, yeah. The, uh, Robert the, Al Altman. the Altman uh, Fever Dream Noir, uh, Neo Noir. Yeah. Yes. And based on, I believe it's based on a Raymond Chandler book, um, which mm. I also noticed that you 
posted uh, the big. I sleep. own the big sleep. <laughs> yes, and that's yeah. one of. I don't read a ton of uh, fiction books, but that is one that I've read in the past couple of years, um, which got me more interested in Raymond Chandler, I guess. And um, uh, yeah, I thought about reading this book before I watched the movie, but I just, I just wanted to catch the movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, liked it a lot. It's this classic Hollywood noir, but with that seventies like feel to it too. And uh, yeah, Elliot gold is just really cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Elliot gold. It's cool to see him back in the day as this cool private eye. Um, and yeah, it just, I don't have too much else to say about it, especially cause it's been a while since I watched it, but um yeah yeah it's one of those where like you're you're not supposed to be able to follow like the big sleep like inherent vice and it's Mm -hmm. like purposefully it's purposefully hard to follow and um so one of those like good fun cool like fever dream type of lost noir movies um but also like different in its own way since it's an Altman and it's seventies and all that. And uh, yeah, I don't have, I was, I, I remember I texted you. I was like, I'm going to try to like watch as much, like watch things that you watch. So I had something to like bring up, but like I didn't get to everything. Uh, so I, mm-hmm. that was not one of the ones I did, but yeah, it's definitely one I want to rewatch. Cause it's a pretty, pretty cool movie. Uh, yeah. It's definitely up there for like a 70s thing and an Altman thing. And uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'll knock out these two quick too, because they're just also in that collection. Um, but the American Friend, the Vim Vendors movie, uh, really loved this. Um, yeah. It's a, you know, Dennis Hopper. That's and a dark Gaines one. They're both really great. It's really dark. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I love just the aspect of like this normal, seemingly like normal guy, being put into this type of um, really intense situation. And uh, uh, yeah, I I really loved this movie. Um, and this again, it's you know like a lot of these neo noirs, like it it feels slower in a way, but it like perfectly paced at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, um, yeah. The American Friend, really, really like that. Um, and then the last one is Manhunter, the Michael Mann, um, Hannibal Lecter, um, cat and mouse thriller movie. And uh, another one, really great on the Criterion channel, has has Michael Mann style. And uh, yeah, it, it just this is another That's one, one I haven't like, seen. Of Michael oh, okay. Mann's. I thought you'd seen it, yeah. but yeah, this, Have not. this is a uh, yeah. It's another one that's just it's just very cool and uh, just along the same lines as all of these. You know, um, William Peterson is playing a you know a cop who is like in Silence of the Lambs, using Hannibal Lecter to try and um, you know capture a, a killer and get in the mind of this other uh, other killer in a way. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and I think it's it's essentially um, I think it's based off Red Dragon, the book, which is there's another movie, Red Dragon, that actually uses Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter in it. So 
Apparently, oh, okay. these are one of the same, but this is seen as the better version of the better adaptation of Red Dragon. Okay, I didn't know Manhunter had anything to do with Hannibal Lecter. I didn't know until I was watching it too. <laughs> I just said, assumed it was. Um, I just assumed it was like another Michael Mann crime thriller. Yeah, and and it pretty much is. And like to me, other people may disagree, but I didn't think Hannibal Lecter was as prominent of a character as he is in Silence of the Lambs. Um, I I don't think yeah he was as big of a deal like clearly because Silence of the Lambs is like a highly regarded like mainstream popular movie. Um, but he still has some role in this too. Right. Right. Yeah. That's all right. So that's, that's your, uh, seventies gritty movie, uh, series. Yes, that's it. Yeah. As you know, with, with, uh, with, uh, Vim, Vim Wenders, Vim Vendors. Is that how Vim you Vendors. say it? Yeah. I think he's yeah. German. So I went with, uh, as, as you've seen, he does some heavy, heavy films, uh, yeah, and so that, that I was definitely gonna. It was maybe a stretch for me to rewatch that one for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I do still want to watch it. Um, especially since my brother like owns a Criterion of it, and it's pretty damn cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really like that one. So on one, another one on my list would be uh, Nobody, a twenty. 21 film uh the creators of the john wick series who are with this movie are basically i think they what they were going for was like let's make as awesome of an action movie as we do with john wick except with people who aren't known as action people um and i thought it was fucking awesome and i loved it um it's like kind of like it's one of those that makes you like wait for a lot of the action scenes. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. like when they ha- do like happen, it's worth it. And it feels like Bob Odenkirk is really breaking out of his nine to five routine. Um, and like like that action, the action scene, there's an action scene on a bus where oh, God, Bob yeah. Odenkirk fights a bunch of guys and it is as crazy as it could be. It is as I like was violent and yeah. it was insane. It was insane. I fucking loved it. I was just kind of wondering the whole time. I was like, what are these action scenes going to be like with Bob Odenkirk? Um, I know this movie's supposed to be like as violent as like John Wick, but what the fuck is it going to look like with Bob Odenkirk? Um, yeah, yeah, and he is—he is in fact a badass, <laughs> <laughs> and um, a guy who's, you know, more so known for, uh, you know, comedy and monologuing and having a great, um, more of a persona on the screen rather than being an action star. Um, and yeah, they turned him into a gritty, gritty action action star in this. And yeah, it was kind of just it was kind of just saying like we can do what we want, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, especially especially towards the end, um, in a big shootout scene in a warehouse where, uh, not only the not only the RZA, um. 
uh, but Doc Brown himself, Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd guns down so many guys with a shotgun. Yeah, um, what a trio! And they yeah. they kill so many people, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing uh, in the right, <laughs> in yeah. that warehouse scene. Yeah, that is. Uh, this movie was way more brutal than I could even imagine. I I really thought it was going to be much more of a comedy than it was, and it was it was intense and gory, and yeah, that uh, that ending too was like. Uh, yeah, the guys behind making it knew that like we're throwing out like any sort of rules. We're just gonna make this crazy action sequence with three random guys that are all amazing in their own right. And, yeah, and not known for action at all. Um, no, yeah. It, like I, I'd say they're all known more so for the whatever they bring like character wise what they bring like i feel like maybe comedic they're more known as comedic actors like the riz is not even known when he acts at least it's more so a it's more so like the riz is here you know in this role and he's using his voice more so and he's kind of funny or badass or whatever but he's never doing full-on action like this no yeah yeah And, and and it just surprised me so much yeah yeah, I, I really like Nobody. I think I, I need to watch it again um, now that like my expectations have been, um, I don't know. My my expectations of it have changed, obviously, now that I've seen it. Because um, I don't know I don't know how much I loved it right away because I I couldn't quite get into it right away. But then as it went along, I, I was really getting into it. Um, so I think I need, I need to watch it again. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, I was very biased because I I five started on Letterbox, and mm-hmm. it was mainly that scene <laughs> in the warehouse <laughs> that did that. I was like, oh my god, you know? Yeah, is that the only time that RZA is on screen? Too is at the very end. He, uh, I know you hear his I think- voice. Barely, like barely, man, like barely. Mm-hmm. Like he eventually gets revealed um, as like the guy he's been working with, and we're like, there he is, you know. Yeah. It just pops up, and then yeah, I think then the action scene begins. And Christopher Lloyd's like in a bed, barely moving. Oh, Some good. of these movies I might skip to because like. Like, since this is like kind of an emotional podcast, I don't want to talk about "Dude, Where's My Car." <laughs> uh, yeah, know? I don't know how as, much I'd have to say about that either. <laughs> as, as, as funny as it could as it could be, sometimes like, man, it was so stupid. Yeah, yeah, just so stupid and meaningless. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some on my list that I I don't need to talk about. And yeah. I love stoner movies too, but dude, where's my car? It was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I felt like I felt like it destroyed my brain that night. Mm. And it wasn't yeah. from it wasn't from a lack of smoking weed. That's for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> as high as I was, I was still like, "What the fuck am I?" Can't watching? get into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even we'll remember up. where we left off. 
Uh, shit, man. Uh, nobody, right? Oh, yeah, nobody. Yeah. So I watched a film from the 90s. Uh, it's directed by Steve Buscemi uh, called Tree's Lounge. It came out in like 93. Oh. And it kind of tree it kind of takes place at this bar called Tree's Lounge, like a typical like dive bar where a bunch of people hang out at. And it kind of just follows Steve Buscemi as like one of those uh just guys who doesn't have anything going for him and that's kind of what it is and um he's you know he's he's a mess he's a struggle like he's he he drinks at this bar all the time hangs spends way too much time there uh unemployed um i think it's like a former mechanic but is let go and he's just like delaying trying to get a job at another auto shop and it happens to have just like a shit ton of people in it uh like and it's and it's also like an indie it's like an indie movie so it just allows everyone to Mm. really act in it and it feels very unscripted as well uh so here let me read out some people in the cast uh we got we got john ventimig venti miglia jesus christ that that was a butchering (laughs) but he plays Artie in the sopranos he plays Artie buco yep Artie buco we got debbie mazar who is all debbie mazar who is in like she's in like entourage and goodfellas um Mm -hmm. fairy brooklyn like jersey type actress like um yep we got Seymour Castle, uh, Kevin Corrigan, Michael. He's Imper- everywhere. <laughs> My, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Michael Kevin Imperioli, uh, Chloe Savini, and Sam Jackson. So it's like wow. a big selection of like up and coming young actors who were just like all over the place around this time. And that adds that along with like Buscemi's like vision like kind of like a minimalist vision to allow like everyone to I don't know, just be real, like make it feel real, like real people dealing with real problems and everyone's mm-hmm. commitment to that. You know, it just, it makes this a very genuine film um, about real nice. people uh, that is just, I don't know, you know, a fucking breath of fresh air, man. I, I fucking mm-hmm. love this movie. Uh, highly rec- highly recommend it. It makes me want to watch other things Buscemi has uh, directed. Um, yeah, recommend Trees Lounge. Nice. I remember seeing that you watched this and uh, just that image of Steve Buscemi sitting yeah. in the bar. I was like, I I yeah. gotta see this. <laughs> yeah, and and it, and it's really funny um, in just a realistic way, kind of like how we were mm-hmm. talking about in The Office. It feels like these people are like, you know, have been lived in for a while and like you understand where they're coming from and stuff. So yeah. Nice. Um, you know, one of my favorite SNL cast members right now is Melissa Villasenor and she has a great bit in her stand up about how much she loves Steve Buscemi. Cause he's just <laughs> like, he's just so much like, eh, 
that's how it is you know he's just so yeah, like yeah, eh. yeah, yeah. like he yeah. just like seems so easy going and just like goes with right. life like whatever mm-hmm. like eh, yeah that's, how it goes. that's that yeah. that's him in that's, this movie that's him in this movie <laughs> he's very he's very comforting as a mm-hmm. as an actor yeah yeah i just love like, yeah i just love um if he's in a movie i'm like yes him like <laughs> yeah. see him seeing him again like great like he fits in anywhere we'll not get tired of it yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nice uh cool all right well i'll go with a i'll go with a 2021 movie um that's on netflix in fear street 1994 yeah so one of those that's everyone's watching uh that yes. i haven't seen yeah so these there's three of them that are out now and I'm, I've only seen the first one so far. Um, but I do want to get to the other two, but these are based off R.L. Stein books um, who also mm-hmm. wrote, you know, goosebumps and everything. Um, and, you know, I liked it. I, it didn't like blow me away or anything, but it was sort of nice to see a, um, just sort of like a teen slasher movie again you know i'd say like and there's three uh, of them yeah there's three and they're all connected so like the first one 1994 and then you know they they talk about oh what happened to this girl in the 70s or whatever at camp or whatever so then that's the second one takes place in the 70s at that camp with that girl who they talk about in 94 and then i believe that they you know it's, it's all traced back to some supernatural events that happened in the 1600s or something. So then they go all the way back there for the third. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. Those are, those are all yeah, connected. Ev- everyone's um, watching those at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm definitely, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like amazing. Uh, it was, it was fairly basic, I think too, but it got mm-hmm. me interested enough to see, see what the other two are about. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, nice to see sort of like a going back to the teen slasher days which yeah yeah i don't know how much we have of anymore you know we we have i think we both love the scream movies um mm-hmm. so you know this is sort of a, a lighter version uh right everything's supernatural nowadays i feel like yeah yeah it's it, yeah there's definitely a supernatural element to it but it's uh i feel like in a more grounded way which which I liked, so yeah. yeah, yeah. I should get I should get to him. Just yeah, I, I feel like I'm out of it with like the current movies. Like yeah, um, like that new A24 movie. I didn't. I haven't seen yet. Green Knight. Yep, I haven't yeah, seen I yet. See Everyone that has. Bad. Yeah, yeah. I um, really want to see that one, but haven't gotten to it. And uh, like, I didn't see Fast Nine in the theaters. Same. <laughs> and yeah. also I wanted to watch Space Jam 2 for this episode, but the thought of sitting through it is always I've always procrastinated it. Yeah, you know, it's it's on HBO until August 15th. So I made my goal to watch it before then, but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been too prepared to watch to watch it yet. And I don't know why, because yeah. it's obviously not like a difficult watch but yeah just... actually maybe it is <laughs> it could be it really I've heard could it's be. Whole, i've heard it's awful <laughs> yeah and as much as i have you know a sentimental viewpoint for the old one the old one is a bad movie too 
So it's just, you know, yeah, I, gr- yeah, I grew up on that and I haven't grown up on Space Jam 2. It's so. just like a good, like, if you're doing a movie co- podcast, it feels like I got to watch Space Jam 2 for the and shit talk it on the podcast. You know, that's yeah. kind of why. It's because uh, it's relevant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those are the <laughs> main movies that are new that I'm like, haven't seen yet. I'm not up to date. But, you know, as I've said, I've, I saw Nobody and I saw No Sudden Moves and um, mm-hmm. and uh, the Bo Burnham special. So I'm like, you know, I'm watching new stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a lot to but, keep up with right now. Yeah, it is a lot to keep up with. And, but I'm also watching things like Alien in 4K, <laughs> which oh, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched uh, actually, uh, I don't know how many 4K experiences you've had, John. Hmm. Not, Have you had many. any 4K experiences at all, John? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like a million. Those are my only experiences. Yeah, I only experience yeah, 4K. I only watch 4K, yeah. Um, as I was mentioning, because I went to Sometimes Midland, 8K, Michigan. too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> what the next thing will be. Um, but as I mentioned, I went to Midland, Michigan, and... My cousin has those criterions on the wall. Oh yeah, and and but he also has like a few 4K DVDs and a 4K DVD player. And I don't have any. I don't you know. I've never watched anything on 4K, and I don't have any. I don't know anyone who has like 4K DVDs, but him. So I was like, especially when I saw that he had Alien on 4K, I was like, all right, we're we're throwing that into the mix here. Like, absolutely. That's like, that's a must thing to do, especially since I haven't seen alien in a while. And, uh, it was awesome to watch alien in 4k. I must say. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Because it's such a movie about like the set design, the fact that they built it all and the slow burn and, uh, you know, just the fact that, it's all like the alien coming out of the shadows and stuff. And it was the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. The atmosphere. So it was so awesome. It looked so good and it was so scary. And I haven't seen alien in years. So I was That's just, awesome. yeah, it was a good one. I'm just picturing that, you know, what that um, one scene would look like in 4k where they get to like the big chamber of like the yeah. huge, like alien mm-hmm. statue. Oh type yeah. Thing. Yeah. That had to be it, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. It's, it's insane how they built, they built all that shit. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it all looks so great. And it's so different from the the second one, really. Like, yeah. I don't think they should be compared. Like, the mm-hmm. second one yeah. is completely different. It's like an awesome, like, action flick. Yeah. When James the first Cameron one's com- action movie. Yeah, yeah. First one's completely about horror the horror yeah. side of it you know mm-hmm. nice that's really cool jealous yeah flexing <laughs> my alien and 4k yeah. watch on the podcast <laughs> uh, I, I watched some movies in 720 uh i can talk about those <laughs> uh yeah okay well let's see um all right you know since since we brought up green knight i'll bring up this one that i watched a couple days ago um, which is by, I didn't realize this until I was in the middle of watching, but the guy who directed this movie also directed Green Knight. So maybe this is a good 
introduction uh, for the me witch to him right or the ghost story not the witch no, the ghost story ghost story yep yeah um so yeah yeah i watched a ghost story which i was i watched it late at night i was sort of in the mood for a horror movie and thought wow this looks really weird and different and realized it's yeah. not really a horror movie but yeah uh, yeah that's what whenever i look at it i like the cover definitely looks like a horror movie but then when you read the description um it's like it's isn't it like a more of a love story or something yeah or oh, like man, a, this it's a, it's a really heavy moving movie uh and yeah it's it's yeah. About, it's you know has like a husband and wife you know love aspect to it and it has to do a lot with like your place and like letting yeah. go of it's like letting a go of the past setting. yeah yeah mm-hmm. so basically get to it yeah it's i i loved it and it watched it at a perfect time because that the movie starts out with uh a couple the casey affleck and rooney mara arguing about moving out of this place that they're that they're in and you know they're touring other places to live which is the exact situation that I am currently in. Right, um, right. Where, yeah. you know, we've been talking a lot about where we're going to live and I'm I'm partial to like open to just staying where we are because it's because of, you know, sentimental reasons and also just the aspect of moving stresses me out. And right. um, so along these lines, uh, you know, Casey Affleck. I don't know. I think I said Casey Affleck. For some reason, I feel like I said Jake Gyllenhaal, but it's Casey Affleck. He uh, he gets in a car accident and dies, and from then on, he is a ghost. It was just a ghost. Un- He's not like some CGI ghost guy. He's just under a a sheet, pretty much with the, the eye holes cut out, and it's him observing um, his wife grieving losing her husband uh, as well as just sort of the change that goes on in her life while he's stuck inside this house. And uh, it's, it, uh, it is, has a lot to do with just sort of, yeah, hanging on to things, not, not being able to let go and moving on. Um, And you see his, you know, from his perspective, you see his wife grieving and then moving on, which is incredibly difficult for him to see. And then, you know, new people move into the house and yeah, I don't want to give away too much, too much else. Cause it's really like, uh, uh, there's, there's almost, there's hardly any dialogue in it except for this mm-hmm. one scene where people are who new people have moved into the house and they're having a party. And this one guy who he's just one of those guys who he knows everything, you know, in, in his mind, he knows everything. And he is basically explaining the themes of the movie to these people at the party and at first it's like completely like you can't stand this guy he's insufferable and then as he keeps going he's like oh my god yeah this is really hitting home to what this is all about and it was so obvious but in like a really good way mm-hmm. um and yeah and the, the it sounds incredibly really, deep <laughs> yes it's there's it, it'll sit with you for sure and i don't want to yeah i don't want to say too much else because it's definitely one to just experience but yeah. uh yeah it's a well-regarded movie man i think everyone who's seen it thinks it's like a masterpiece so yeah definitely something i I gotta get on yeah i didn't really know too much about it until i watched it and yeah it seems like everyone really uh, regards it pretty well so yeah i would really recommend it all right 
Uh, let, let's talk about uh, The War Room by D.A. Pennebaker, since we oh, both yeah. watched that. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool another, doc. It was... Another good D.A. Pennebaker uh, yeah. doc from back in the day. Yeah. I, re- I really can't believe how much they had access to. It's all right. Like yeah. a political like thing, like with all the scandal. Reading, I was reading that, uh, yeah, especially with that going on with Clinton. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was reading that he attempted to do this with the same thing with uh, a few of the other candidates as well. But the Clinton campaign was the only one that agreed to do it. Oh, really? That Wow. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And yeah, um, I'm glad they did because it was a really unique look into that campaign and just a political campaign in general. And uh, yeah, I, just to see the trajectory of James Carville and George Stephanopoulos, like, yeah, I mean, James Carville is like a man. It's like, wow. Yeah. Just, he's, yeah. he's such a great focus for this. Uh, right. Documentary. He's such he's an interesting guy. To use. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And when like they win the race, I don't know. It's almost like you never think about it, but when like it's like you're in the locker room of you know <laughs> yeah. who won the Super Bowl or something like that, and you really feel in that moment at the end that they have been working towards this the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I think this could have easily been a bit boring or are not interesting, but because of like characters like him in it, like it becomes infinitely more interesting to me. Um, yeah. And, and it's kind of, it's, it's neat to see that side of it. Cause you really don't have a lot of time with Clinton himself. It's all, you know, the people working in the background yeah. that you never like see brief moments where he gets off like stage or something like that. Then you like follow him with, yeah. and he talks to people on, on the, um of the team and you're i'm still kind of like i can't believe they have access to just this you know you know what i mean yeah Yeah. that's yeah that's what i love about a lot of these uh da pennebaker stuff that it's all stuff that you don't really see but it's almost very yeah very more interesting yeah yeah like with the bob dylan documentary it you know it's like all the stuff that happens during the tour besides his actual performance is almost more interesting than his actual performance, you know? And Oh um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's what I got out of this too. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be something that was like all about scandal, but it really just ended up being about like the people in this team, in the campaign team that like, and how hard they work and their camaraderie and all that stuff. And, um, and about, uh, and about and about James Carville, you know, and like he, mm-hmm. his speech at the end is is pretty triumphant as well when they win. And uh, yeah, 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 he's he's quite a he's quite a guy. Do you want to talk about Roadrunner at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that last night at the Music Box. It was uh, my Music nice. Box return. And, First time back uh, since the pandemic. Yeah, I know it's way too long. <laughs> nice, <laughs> way too long. But um, and I and. I don't, I'm, I think I told you this. I just started like watching like Anthony Bourdain content like this year, mm. like wow. this summer. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, um, I immediately got like really into it. Like, 
I feel like, like he's I someone you, you would really like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like parts unknown. I was immediately like, oh, shit, this is incredible. <laughs> Groundbreaking, yeah. you know, like <laughs> automatically. And uh, yeah, the doc, yeah, this uh, was a uh, well, much needed uh, documentary, especially since I've been watching parts unknown all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like, uh, well, I, I had just seen on, social media that um it was going to be available at midnight eastern on demand so then i was i've been wanting to see this for a while so i was like okay nine okay so you took your chance yeah 9 p.m my time i'm gonna keep i'm gonna check amazon or whatever and just get it to rent you know um and i don't i uh i struggle with like personal stories about like you know like i was talking about the office you know how i felt like that was like our thing and you know this isn't other people's things right and i have a similar feeling with anthony bourdain in a way because i do too let's see i think yeah. i know where you're going with this well because i uh um and you know this is i the reason i'm going to say say what i'm going to say is that maybe there's someone else out there including you who could relate to some of this too um not to just you know i don't want to talk about myself too much but I see like uh, the year 2011 was a big like turning point in my life. And um, that is when I first got into Anthony Bourdain and his work. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a time when um, just in like the year before a friend of mine had died. And that was the first time that I realized yeah. like the uh, I realized like the um, that life ends I really mm-hmm. realized that like, oh, you know, I've had grandparents die, but never a, like a peer of mine. And that's when I first realized, like, that's when I first started to like become self-aware and understand more about like how, you know, life ends at some point and um, become more like realize how real everything is. Uh, and at the same time, I also, I went to um, Tanzania trip and that was the first time i got to like experience people who are not just like poor but uh you know really really in tough situations in the world way different from my cushy suburban life and this just got me interested in like traveling in general and and experiencing new things and i was also becoming more you know aware of just mental mental health type uh you know yeah. the mental health aspect in life and that's when i discovered anthony bourdain no reservations and really started to get into that because of him and the things he would talk about and um, sort of like his skepticism about life. I started to become more cynical about life things and religion that had, you know, religion had been more important in my upbringing. And I was realizing how much I just had a disconnect with it. And so it was, it was a big like growth period of, of my like childhood. I started to get into Radiohead, you know, it was like, it's like one of those things. <laughs> You know, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, so like Anthony Bourdain throughout like, you know, the end of high school through college and then my adult life, I've always like followed along his all the shows that he's done on Travel Channel and CNN and, mm-hmm. you know, read his read his books. And he's sort of been like the one like celebrity type person that I've really latched onto, And in a way, like, uh, you know, like there are people like. Gary V or other like entrepreneurs that people really get into for like inspiration um, 
for me, it was always him because he was sort of the cynical, authentic, real guy that I sort of wish that I was more of after, you know, coming from a very uh, Protestant, cushy, suburban, straight edge life. And uh, so, yeah, that, I don't know. That's that's my story. I don't know if anyone else. Yeah, has, like, no, I mean, connection you with clearly have Anthony a longer like uh, Anthony Bourdain journey than me, but I totally uh, get why you went down that path. Uh, yeah yeah i know there's a point where david chang says like it was almost never about food it was about you know tony and that's where i thought about too you know i wasn't i was interested in the travel aspect of it and of course like food but really the reason i was attached to him was because of him and right yeah Yeah. i think yeah i like how the documentary opens like where it sheds light on more about him as a as a writer because mm-hmm. I like his show is so much about like the, his shows are so much about his voice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the dark side, how he has like a, he shows the dark side of every place. You know, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't run away from it. He, he, um, yeah, he does. He doesn't show any. Yeah. He just, yeah. He's completely honest about every place exactly, uh, that he, yeah. like, he goes to and, yeah, when when people say things like, like how could he been depressed when he ate all that food? I think is like a really ridiculous thing because yeah. I think you're just missing so much about who he was. Like, yeah, yeah, you're not listening I just, to, I think, to what he's talking about. And, like he's you know. not like he's not just like he's not just this like fucking hero for people because he travels around and eats food and that's what you want to be doing instead of working that's like such a small like um yeah like very shallow side to yeah view of like who he was i think and he he's very open he you know in his show about his struggle with like what he does like is this the right thing to do to go to these places and bring this camera crew and like like he's always yeah he clearly has this inner turmoil where he's struggling with the morals of what he's doing in a way and right it's not right. and he knows it like he's not there just to like like let's do a tv show this is all glamorous like he even is honest about how uncomfortable he is in the beginning you know with mm-hmm. with cameras being on him and he's like what am i doing here and i think his way to sort of cope with that was that he's um he was so into cinema and movies that he saw yeah, it as an yeah. art form. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, let's make this like an Antonioni movie or let's, yeah. you know. Um, so I think that was his way of like making it um, like art and like meaningful rather than, mm-hmm. yeah. Rather than just, you know, being like a travel guide. Yeah. 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 Yes, yeah, yeah, it was really great, and I've I've seen the episode uh, in Koreatown where that one artist, um, I forget his name, the, David Cho. Um, yeah, David Cho, yeah. Who's, who really you could tell took his death hard, um, mm-hmm. and so it was really crazy just to see him really reacting to his death, um, especially because I remember that episode was specifically really good um, yeah. in the Koreatown one where. They like go to that place called like Sizzler in LA, Sizzler, which I want to yeah. go to now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, I, I, yeah, it, it was immediately on my list. I was like, I gotta go to Sizzler now. Gotta go um, to that buffet. Yeah. 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 Well, 
He's not uh, he's not overhyped or anything. Like he's quite a man, and he really deserves all the like praise and impact he is talked up about. You know. Yeah, and I you know I think because I since he died, I still have been watching his shows all the time, and it almost I almost didn't fully comprehend that he is dead because of that until seeing this yeah documentary i was like yeah he's like this it made me you know see him as more of like the person who um yeah i guess hit the his breaking point in a way and couldn't do it anymore the the end is very heavy yeah and you know i think a great episode that you know people should watch is the Sicily episode of Parts Unknown yep. where he really gets into his struggles with what, the, like, what am I doing here? Like he is on a boat with those yeah, fishermen yeah. guys and they're tossing yeah. in the dead octopus and, and all there, that. There is fish. a lot of revelation to where like, he's just drinking in Sicily and he's like, what is this? Like, what yeah. am I doing? You know, he's like, I'm, I'm told I had dinner with this guy and his wife. And right, I'm told right. that this happened. I have no yeah. recollection. Yeah, it's really dark, man. Uh, yeah, but it, but also it it's why the show's so good. Yeah, there's this and one I, episode where where they go to like this place called Atlanta, and I thought it was going to be Atlanta, Georgia, but it's actually like at oh. wait, it's Georgia. It's Georgia. It's called Georgia, so it's a country in Europe, like south of Russia. So I thought yeah. it was like. Georgia, United States, but I turn it on. It's this European country in Georgia where they drink. They just drink so much. Um, yeah, he's like, with I think his Russian friend who they always yeah. have. Like, and he was like, and... he's like, what is the deal here? Is there any way not to drink all the time? And there's like <laughs> a scene where they're drinking wine, and it's like this religious experience where they go like, all right, to to world peace and then they just like take a toast to world peace and they drink a lot i'm just like holy shit <laughs> this is crazy yeah it's uh yeah that, that, that's what i i don't know i loved about the show is that yeah. it's just very real and it's like right listen this 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 is really great about where we are right now and this is what fucking sucks yeah and, exactly and yeah it's not like he even he even will like talk shit even in his travel channel shows he would talk shit about other travel channel uh you know like personalities oh, yeah. that yeah. they just be and like oh the romance is in the air like and, yeah and he's like no this this sucks like he's like i'm alone uh i'm i'm traveling alone 200 something days out of the year uh it's it's miserable right now yeah yeah there's nothing romantic about it yeah I've seen the Detroit episode twice and the Tokyo one twice. And those are both fucking awesome. Um, Cause he, one, he like for Detroit, he kind of, you know, sheds light on a lot of things that like people like, you know, cause it's kind of known as an ignored city. And just the Mm -hmm. fact that he's not ignoring it is like incredibly powerful and meaningful and then just Tokyo, he just goes all in on how yeah. insane and different and bizarre it is. So that's just like, yeah, that is like an hour you travel somewhere else, even if you're just in your living room in Glen Ellen, Illinois, watching that, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the Tokyo episode is definitely one of the one of the greatest um, yeah. 
episodes yeah. of anything he's done. Yeah, he goes that, to that one show at the beginning where he's yeah, like, like the that was the greatest. Inside. That was the greatest show I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, what? and you don't even know like what it is. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm glad you saw it too because uh, I definitely was hoping to talk about it today. So yeah, 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 yeah. Good to honor, good to honor him for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that we might have to call end it on that note. Uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm finding it a little tough to talk about movies today as much as I wanted to. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's give ourselves a, a, a break. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next time for probably revisiting something because I have, yeah, I have a lot of ideas actually. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I know we both seem a little movie fatigued at least, uh, at least uh, talking about them in a way at the moment. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's, it's not it, as it's a tough, it's a tough day to talk about movies. It seems so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll end it there.